Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Good Friday afternoon from the Crop Doctors Podcast Studio in Stoneville. Tom and I have got Bobby back with us. So we had Bobby on a few weeks ago and we talked about the podcast and stuff like that. And while we had him here, we just grabbed a second episode. So Bobby's going to tell us a little bit about what he does now since in the time since he left Mississippi State. I'm just glad I only need one word introduction, Bobby. Well, I think everybody will know who you are based on the well, yeah. voice. The voice? What are you talking about? Well, that's pretty common. It used to be common. It's not anymore. No, it still is. It still is in this general area. There you go. Even though I'm rarely in this general area anymore. So what about podcasting on Friday afternoon, Tom? What about it? Well, that's... I'm just impressed. commitment, right? Yes, it is. Well, it's still early on a Friday (laughs) afternoon. Bobby, welcome back again to the podcast. So my question for you is, this is my currently my favorite podcast question, particularly for people such as yourself. So what is the craziest thing you have ever seen when you have been called to a field? Craziest thing I've ever seen when being called to a field? That... That's going to take a little while to to think about because over the course of the 20 years I've been doing this, we've seen a lot of crazy stuff. I get that. What's the first thing that pops in your mind? First thing that pops in my mind. Not them dudes that were unloading that duck camp when we pulled in that rice. (laughs) That's actually the first thing that popped (laughs) in my mind where are we going to die? The the old (laughs) junk car backed up to the front of the duck camp frantically – Loading stuff. But actually, if you take a step back when we figured out, hey, it's safe, we're not getting shot or ganked, uh, (laughs) when we did walk into that field to see a circle of soil in the field that was completely dry and otherwise completely flooded rice field was kind of unique. Yes. Now that you mentioned that, that was kind of crazy. But it was that white crawfish dirt. So, So, Tom, we we walk out in this field, and this is no lie, a flooded rice field. And it's it's pretty good-sized rice, so it had probably been flooded for a while. So there's a spot, I don't know, by as big as as this this table. Yeah, yeah, big as this table or room, so, you know, 20 foot across. Maybe not quite 20 foot. Drives a bone. You could have took a soil sample in it, and it would have been great. There's water 360 degrees around this one dry spot. And it wasn't even like it was like a hump or something. It was just. So is that what you were there for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we just. Not necessarily the dry hole in the middle of the field other than the rice was looking fairly poorly. And I'm sure those soil conditions had something (laughs) to do with it. Was that one of the ones you actually gave it something diagnostically or you're still scratching your head to this day? Oh, Lord, I don't know. You'd have to call maybe just like driving. Justin George and ask him what we told him. Yeah, there's still a list of six or eight that are still in my head that are ones that I went to, and I have absolutely no idea what that is. And every once in a while, I'll revisit those in my mind because you see something similar to that yeah, as seen you drive around. Really cool stuff moving around the country and stuff. I've seen burn-up pistachios and jacked-up pinto beans and 
all kind of stuff. And well, that's going to cover world. a heck of a geography because obviously the pistachios are on the west coast, and the pinto beans are probably up north. Would be yeah. my assumption. They would have been in some of your old stomping grounds up in the Dakotas. And I don't do anything in the Dakotas. I've heard burn you up. talk about Fargo a lot. Burn uh, up like fire, burn up, or burn up like dried out and burn up, or burn up like we sprayed the wrong thing on them and burn them up. Like uh, one of those whoopsies. They spray pistachios out of an airplane, or they spray those from the ground? Well, it depends. Hey, here's an ignorant question from the lifelong Mississippi Delta resident. Is pistachio grow on a tree? Mm-hmm. Yes, it, it is. It is a tree. Okay. Be considered a tree nut. I had no idea, honestly. I would have guessed yeah. tree, but... So are almonds. That's a tree. Is there a nut that doesn't grow on a tree? Come on, man. Really? Um, peanuts. Peanuts. Peanuts, not a nut. <laughs> peanuts. Uh, Mr. Planner would uh, uh, disagree with you there. Is a legume seed, right? Yes. Technically. Not a nut. Technically. It's a peanut, and I've been told to not refer to it as a ground nut, even <laughs> though in other parts of the world they do refer to it as a ground if you, nut. If you poll 90% of Americans, they would say a peanut is a nut. Well, sure. Right. And perception is reality, so... Well, especially since it has the word nut in it. <laughs> Wouldn't you just expect that that's what it is? True, true, very well. So, yeah, we've got to you see. You could expect Although that, but you would be sweet wrong. sweet potato is not exactly a potato. True. Oh, we had uh, Lauren <clears throat> on here and established the fact that a yam wasn't a sweet potato either. If you're, you know, asking that question of what I do now, we can start there. But the interesting thing is all the stuff I get to see. I mean, it's kind of amazing having coast-to-coast coverage. Well, the fact that you're talking about pistachios and pinto beans, I mean, that covers a huge geography because those aren't I was in Crowley yesterday looking at sick rice. Why don't you step back and tell folks, so you've been gone from Mississippi State, what, two and a half or so years? November of 20, COVID. Yeah. So just tell folks what you've been doing in the meantime, and then we can go maybe get into a little bit more detail on what you actually do now. Exactly. All right, we can do that. So I guess when I first left, uh, during the merger from the J.R. Simplot Company when they bought Pinnacle, okay, which for everybody in this geography would know as Sanders. So when the J.R. Simplot Company acquired the company that had bought Sanders, they were bringing the Invictus brands that many of our growers here know very well because they use them. They were bringing that up to the rest of the world, or say the rest of the world, the western United States, and they needed to start a technical service team. So they contacted me and asked me if I would be interested in running a technical service team for everything east of the Rocky Mountains. And I fraud over it. Both of y'all in this room could... Uh, <laughs> understand that because y'all were in on helping me hey, make that decision hey tom fraught's not a word look it up in the dictionary I, I believe it is but i'm not sure it's sure. used correctly <laughs> in that sentence <laughs> i don't i don't think it was used right well while he keeps talking i'll i'll look i've, I've, I've got, already looked up because you know i'm faster i'm gonna, than you. I'm gonna step back fraught. and say fraught is a word fraught's not a verb filled with <laughs> or likely to result in Causing or affected by anxiety or stress. I think I used it correctly in that Filled sense. Filled with Ow. or likely to result in something undesirable. It is an huh. adjective, though. You are correct. Interesting. Okay. 
So, back to the story. Bobby does have a tendency to make up words. (laughs) (laughs) But I I, I did. I I pulled the trigger too quick. We all do a good job of making up words. Proceed, Bobby. I I interrupted you. Okay. So, started out as the technical service manager for the eastern U.S. and had, oh, probably at that point in time... Four or five people working for me in various uh, regions across the eastern U.S. and was doing really small plot research and some demo research and really back to those research roots and trying to bring new product development online. Take a step back, rewind to the day we did that for two years. Organization kept getting bigger, acquired more assets within the footprint of North America and said, we need to restructure. And I land where I am today as the director of agronomy for Simplot Grower Solutions. Still really heavily involved with Invictus, but now I have a a larger team. I have one agronomist in each sales region. We have 12 sales regions in the United States, stretching basically from coast to coast. So right now trying to develop a team got eight of the 12 positions hired and there's probably some familiar names to the people on these podcasts on so done really good uh getting some really really good agronomist into those roles and i guess to put it in in a term that everybody around here would understand is these regional agronomists are kind of acting like a state extension specialist except in a slightly larger region so simplot a Western company yep. and headquartered in Idaho, but retail-wise, pretty heavy down here, correct? Correct. From, from the, the Pinnacle slash Sanders, Sanders acquisition. acquisition. Yeah, so if you look at the footprint, really, really heavy in the Central Valley of California, moving up through the Columbia Basin, and then obviously Idaho, right, a little bit in Montana. That was kind of the historical footprint of Simplot. And then with the acquisition of Pinnacle coming across here, well, I take that back. There was a few stores in Texas and Nebraska prior to the acquisition, but the acquisition of the Pinnacle Sanders kind of filled out all of that, right, where now the Mississippi Delta is kind of consumed. So, yeah, there's just as much in the eastern U.S., as it is in the Western U.S., and our most recent acquisition, I guess, within the last six months has been a GMAX up in Saskatchewan. So we've brought them on board, and that's an additional 16 retail locations uh, north of the U.S. border. Since you've left, then, your role has changed a little bit. Yes. Do you feel this is a better fit for what you were trained to do as a as a agronomist while you were at Arkansas and then at Mississippi State? I'll take a stab at that. I would say yes and no. If you take a step back and look at basically the way I've described this to people as yourself that have been uh, entrenched in the university system, I think basically when we split up and develop two groups from what I was doing to what I'm doing now, what I was doing, I was heading up a research team. And that team being a technical services team inside of the chemical company, which was Invictus, we were doing research and extension. All right, now we push it back out as this director of agronomy for Simplot SGS. 
and it feels way more like traditional extension. Big demo plots, PowerPoints, talks, but none of that hardcore small plot replicated research, which is sitting within another team right now, which is our agronomic sciences team. So in effect, you have research and extension in two separate units instead of kind of mangled together. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. Now, and and it's the difference in, in my world now, it's the difference in product development and sales enablement. If you think about it from a university standpoint, it's we've got guys that just do research and then hand us off the data and we go talk about it in public. Well, and if you're answering field calls, you're dealing with both of those regardless of what your role is within the company. I mean, it's pretty, it's very similar to what we do on a daily basis or I, what you did do at the university. Let me take, take one step back from that. I would say what the people that I work with every day do is very similar to what I did at the university sans the small plot research. Unfortunately, I don't get to dig my heels into that anymore with having national oversight and responsibility. So I get some calls still to go to the field, but very much so I've been taken out of the field to, to just manage the team. Do you enjoy what you're doing now? Oh, shoot, I love it. it. I needed a change of pace. I mean, if you look at what we were doing, heck, I felt like I had done everything I could do here. Been there almost 11 years. I thought I'd accomplished a lot. We graduated a lot of students. We published a lot of research. We brought in a lot of dollars. And I sat in Jason's office and I said, man, this is a challenge. This can get me re-energized and motivated, right? I mean, we sat there and talked about it. I said, man, what am I going to do? I'm, we, we always ran really, really fast. And then I got to the point we'd built this thing up so big I could slow down. And therefore, I mean, Jason and I got in a truck every day and went and fixed problems, right? And then we had all those guys working for us doing all that stuff. And then it was like, okay, what's the next challenge? What else could I do? I mean, heck, talked about it a couple weeks ago about inventing this podcast, right? I mean, that was the the next step, the, the tip of the spear. So what was next? And I'm like, can I go make a difference doing something else? And Bringing back to that word, y'all said I use as an adjective, but as a verb, that fraught. 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 I was fraught. Uh, <laughs> Maybe you were distraught. Distraught. <laughs> I don't think I was distraught. I think it was, if you look at the definition of fraught, it meant anxiety, right? And I was, you know how much anxiety I had in making oh, that no, decision. No question. Because well, you just don't walk away. From what I had, I could never get that back if I wanted to come back to. But the let's face it, that's a conversation we all have together when we get through the field season, and typically at the end of the year, or we have it on the front tail, the front end of things, and say, you know, man, how are we going to keep doing this when we're sixty, or what's this going to look like when we're fifty-five, or how are we ever going to slow down and focus on maybe more quality-based things instead of such a quantity-based model? Because I think I think that's something we're all facing. Isn't that the conversation you would have if you were doing anything for yeah. a 
extended period of time. It, no matter no matter what your profession is, it doesn't matter. I think that's a conversation that every single well, you, person has. You hear all those guys that say, I've got a 10-year plan. I've got a five-year plan. I'm going to do this today. And, you know, some of our colleagues have worked that way, right? Hey, I'm going to be here in five years. I'm going to be here in 10 years. I'm going to be here in 20. I'm going to be here in 15. I didn't have a plan. I never had a plan. I got up in the morning. I answered the phone and I went to work, you know, and that mantra, you always say it. And we've always said it, put your head down, go to work. Good things will happen. I had an opportunity presented in front of my plate. I didn't go looking for a job. They called me and I think we've been very successful since I left to be able to uh, ascend even a step further to a director level at a, you know, the number three retailer in the, in the U S so I've enjoyed it. Did you have a five-year plan Tom, or a 10 year plan? Not so much, but I think I do recall saying to someone that when I got to the point where I'd been here 10 years, I just want people to look at me and say, I think you've made a difference. Or what you're doing at this point is actually helpful. I'll tell you this. Everybody knows who Tom Allen is. I don't know that everybody knows, but there's there's probably a few people that still don't. But I'm just a hammerhead. I had no plan. I might buy the... (laughs) <laughs> I was going to get it. I'm going to keep getting out of bed and keep doing this. And, and I guess we're going to see what happens. And then you look up one day and that's what you do. And if I, if we didn't enjoy doing this, if this wasn't something that we enjoyed doing, I don't think we'd work as hard as we do at doing it. No, I, is that, is no. that a fair things to say? I mean, I, I think no, well, I could say sitting in the room because I've sat in this room a lot with y'all and probably, some of my closest friends in the world, right? I mean, both of y'all, I, I think I can say that out loud and y'all would agree with me. It's not a job. No. And a lot of people look at it, and, and I know we've had a lot of ph- philosophical discussions about this, Jason, but you treat it like it's your life, even though it's a job, right? Because in all reality, you're an entrepreneur running your own business, And you're the face of that business. And if you want that business to succeed, you have to run how you're running. Because if you check out, then your business fails. And that's looking at it from a different angle than, than I did while we was here. And I said, why am I running so hard? Why do I feel like I'm running hard? Why do I always feel like I can't slow down? Why do we got to publish papers? Why do we got to bring in money? Why do we got to get more students? Why more, 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 more? possess the entrepreneurial spirit you have and saying, I want my program to be the best weed science program or the best pathology program or the best soil fertility program, not only in the state of Mississippi, not only in the Southern U S but in the whole damn United States. And if you want to be the best, you can't slow down. And two, you're at some point, I won't say you're a victim of your own success, but you kind of are. Cause you got, how many people you got working for you, Tom? Quite a few, six, four or five. And see, I've had, I mean, that many consistently has ballooned at times, particularly during the summer to a dozen, you know? Yeah. And then there's, there's five more people that work in Tessie's program. So all said and done, there's like eight folks in the whole pathology. So then if you don't run hard, those people don't get paid. That's right. And so you've got people. Entrepreneur. Everybody thinks out in the real world that, you know, the university is just throwing money and, it's all free, right? And we know different. You know, if we want to continue to do what we're going to do, then Bobby's right. You got to keep 
running. You know, you got to push it hard. And I think, and I'm just repeating what we've already said, but particularly the group that we have at Stoneville and have had with different pieces to the puzzle at Stoneville, I think the driving part is the growers and and solving problems, and the rest of it just kind of comes along for the ride, right? It falls into place. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And the people that want to be here are the ones that that stay here, and then the people that continue to come through the door are the ones that find out that they really like the place. You know, I mean that's that's what I've always said. Heck, May will be will be 16 years since I walked through the door and started my job here, which is really difficult sometimes to wrap your head around. But the time has moved so fast because I think it's been enjoyable. There have been a few moments that haven't been exactly a lot of fun, <laughs> but those have been pretty few and far between. But Tom, and that's I've seen same, you not have fun every week I worked. That's there. the same for every job. Yeah, I mean there there have been some moments, some weeks have just been traumatizing. Tom likes paperwork. That's what Tom. That's Tom's favorite <laughs> thing in the world. You've said you enjoy what you do. What do you miss the most about your position that you had here in Stoneville? What do I miss the most? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I think I feel like I could answer no, it's, that it's, for it's you. No, it's easy. Getting up I, and getting in a truck with Jason every morning. Yeah. That's no, what that's, I miss the most. That's I think what we all miss the most is just having you around on a day to day basis. And that's, I'm still here. You, I know you are, but presence. but you're not. You're not here in your office next to Jason. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. You can't hear that door open at the end of the hall. Yep, Bobby's here. Hey, <laughs> are you saying I was loud? He's <laughs> coming down the hall in his quick starts. I'm saying when you entered the building, you weren't necessarily in stealth mode. Hey, I don't try to sneak up on anybody. You know, but that that's probably the biggest thing is is the change in that and then the change of, you know, managing a nationwide team where you don't see everybody face-to-face every day. You know, you don't have everybody come in. So developing relationships with people across the United States has, has been really, really good for me because it allowed me to open up a, another, you know, I pride myself as being a people person, right? But having to having to learn some of the, the different cultures across the U.S. And, and how people want to be treated in each one of those different cultures is, because I know it's going to be a shock for y'all to, to understand that the Mississippi Delta is quite unique, <laughs> and operates a little differently than most areas of the world. And I'll, and I'll say this and, and leave this in the Mississippi Delta and the Central Valley in California have the foot on the gas more all the time than anywhere I've normally traveled in this job, right? It's like all gas or all brakes, but generally it's all gas all the time. Yeah, I don't know about it. Anything about the Central Valley of California, but I would say that's the way the Mississippi Delta operates. Well, man, we appreciate it. Good to talk to you. Good Heck yeah. Good to have you back in the podcast room with us. It was a room when Bobby was here. There uh, was a there was a couch. Angus is still, you know, mortified by the fact that it's in the hallway down the hall. He can come get that ragged thing if he wants it. <clears throat> hey. It's on inventory. He can't have it. Couch to lie on. He's right. in charge of inventory. He can come get it if he wants it. True. Honestly, I'm just glad this thing has been successful and I'm knowing that I was a part of starting it and y'all have continued it on and amazing what you've done with the thing. So 
I like the couch. I'm kind of like Angus, but this circular table's all right, too. The Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast is a production of Mississippi State University Extension.